Hello, welcome to this edition of Impact, where we share your remarkable stories of faith. You know, we proclaim and believe in the scripture of the great prophet Isaiah, when he declared in chapter 12, verse 4, Thank the Lord, praise His name, tell the world, yes, tell the world, of His wondrous love and how mighty He is. So stay with us and be inspired as we hear amazing stories that are sure to impact your walk with Christ. You won't want to miss today's program. And now, here's your host, Mike Gonzalez. And once again, welcome to this edition of Impact, where we share your amazing stories of faith. On this program, we believe that your story of transformation through Jesus Christ can touch many lives. For more information on Impact Stories of Faith, visit us at impactministrysa.org. And now, our featured story of the week is Barry Manda. Barry, welcome to Impact. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Yes, and I know that we're in for an amazing story. In the 1980s, Barry Monda found himself homeless due to a reckless lifestyle. Down and out, Barry would cry out for help. Barry, take us back to your life as it was in the 1980s. Well, it all started back when I was young. I thought I was dumb and stupid and wouldn't amount to nothing because that's what I was told over and over again. So in school, I automatically thought I couldn't learn because I thought I was dumb and stupid. So it was like the Charlie Brown cartoon when the adults talked, all I heard was wah, wah, wah. And so my first hiding places was, I can still hear it ringing in my ears, my parents would say, he's just shy, you know, and I, I would look down, I never made any eye contact. I never said a mumbling word, hardly. If I did, it was mumble. So that was my first hiding place. And my second one was when I turned eight years old, I got into organized sports. So I got to wear a uniform, which was good because I could be somebody else because I didn't like who I was. I was embarrassed and ashamed and didn't know why. Words are powerful. Death and life and the power of the tongue. And so uh, we have to be careful what we say. My first hiding place was that I was shy. And, you know, and and really it was just super duper low self-esteem. When I became eight, I got to play organized sports. I got to put on a uniform. I was covered up from head to toe, you know, helmet to cleat, especially football. And I excelled because I loved it because it was a really cool hiding place. And then as I got older and became a teenager, my next hiding place was drugs and alcohol. Because I excelled in sports, by the time uh, I was ended up second leading rusher in high school, I walked on to Austin P. State University uh, in Tennessee. After the end of the year, I was a walk-on. They gave me a full scholarship. But the problem was I was smoking pot every morning, and I never went to class And because I was afraid. I still didn't think I could learn. I didn't go to class. And even when I tried to go to class, I was so high I couldn't find it. Right, right. <laughs> now, now, Barry, just very quickly, here you are. Years later, after you're a young man, people are speaking words into you, but negative words. You hide behind the shyness that you had, and then you were put into sports where you excelled. And that was, in a sense, another way of hiding, but you were good at it. Right. And then you go to Austin Peay State University. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I walked on, and uh, at the end of the year, they offered me a full scholarship. So the second year, I was going to go to school free, but I never went to class, so I eventually lost that. And, uh, you know, came back home, my head down, of course, it always was. Started working construction, and, you know, I spiraled. I'm like, the spiral of drugs and alcohol use 
I continued to spiral down from using uh, drugs and alcohol, and that's when I got into the caulking and waterproofing business uh, at an early age. And and so all my friends who went to college and graduated came back, of course, and had good connections with cocaine. So we started driving back and forth, and I began by selling with my friends and sitting around. with All we did was snort cocaine all the time and go to work the next day until finally some, one day somebody showed me how to cook it up and smoke it. At the age of 23, I started smoking crack. Now, that's a heavy drug. Yeah, that, and, drugs and, and alcohol was like a downhill Battle, but once I started smoking crack, it was like jumping off a cliff. And it was a destructive pattern from that yes, moment I, on. I lost everything right away. Uh, that you know, at 23, I, I bought my first condo. I bought a brand new Mustang, 1983, and then you know it was like jumping off a cliff. So I lost everything pretty quick. Within a couple of years, I'd lost the condo, the, the car, you know. What you thought would be great. At first, it made me money, but then, you know, and then we watched all our friends get divorces and lose their houses and everything that they'd work for because we were selling to them. And what does that say about drugs, Barry? How destructive are drugs? Very destructive. That You know, they say that marijuana is not a gateway drug, but it sure is. When I started smoking marijuana as a teenager, and also because of that, I, I experienced it with orange sunshine, uh, chocolate mescaline, and acid, you know, and that. And that was young, too, for those kind of drugs. And, you know, like I said, eventually in, in high school was the first time I tried cocaine when I was a senior. And then, you know, at 23, when everybody graduated college, that's when I, I got in on selling it. And then and eventually smoking it, jumping off that cliff and losing everything really quick. So for 20 years, I was in and out of jail. I was in and out of rehabs and spiritual growth centers, and I'd burn all my bridges. You know, at first my family was, you know, they would they did an intervention. I remember my parents came over, and I was actually smoking crack right. when they came over. People tried to help you. So I'm high and geeking while they're right. trying to, you know, do an intervention and tell me to get help, you know. Right. So I wasn't really listening, and I burned all my bridges, didn't have my family, my friends weren't there for anymore. I couldn't hold down a job. I couldn't keep a car. I mean, every time I went to if I did hold if I did have a job when I got paid I would first go down to the projects because that's where I had to go to get it now right. and that was your priority was to have drugs in your life right now Barry I know that you would become homeless tell us about that well yeah as soon as I started smoking crack I actually became homeless you know I had friends that would maybe take me and I would sleep here and there in my car a lot if I did have a job I, I would go down to the projects and spend the whole check in one night you know, I would first spend my cash, then I'd give away my jury, and then I would give away my phone, and then I'd give away my car. I probably gave away about seven cars, some paid for and some weren't, you know, to the dope man. One night I was jonesing for another fix, and I went down to the projects. It's like a drive-through. You pull up, give me your money. Well, I only had a couple of dollars, so I was going to pull a scam. I folded it up where you couldn't see the numbers. And I gave it to the dope man and asked for, you know, a big amount. Well, he gave it to me, and when I tried to drive off, there was cars parked on both sides of the road, and it's just enough room for one car. But another car was coming the other way. So I tried to slide by, and I got my bumper got 
hooked up on another car's bumper that was parked on the side of the road. So I'm, I'm uh, sliding my tires, uh, trying to go fo- backwards and forwards, and I'm stuck. And all of a sudden, everybody in the progress is on top of my car, shaking it, kicking it, busting out windows. So I slide to the back where, uh, against, where the back of the car was against another car, and I slide to the back, pop the lock, and, and I had just enough room to squeeze out, and I took off running. And, you know, in my book, I talk about it looked like the Dallas Cowboys, you know, big, tall, skinny, drug dealers and crackheads all after me. And so I'd been up for days on a crack bench, so I didn't, you know, even though I was second leading rusher in high school, man, I ran out of steam, hit the ground, and they kicked and beat me with, like, tree branches for clubs. And, you know, and it seemed like it was forever and a day. When they finally stopped, I, you know, I felt like a, I guess a dog that had been ran over and mangled by a car, and I crawled up about three blocks to a house and knocked on the door, and they came to the door all mad because it was like three in the morning. I'm thinking, hey, call an ambulance, you know, and so they slammed the door, so I'm thinking, this is it, you know, what, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go from here, you know, am I going to die right here in front somebody's front yard? And, and then finally... Uh, eventually, they came back to the door in a nicer, calmer voice saying, the ambulance is on the way. And man, when I got to the hospital, they weren't happy to see me. They knew where I was a crackhead. I, I looked the part, skin and bones. So they were really frustrated, manhandling me. They gave me a blood test, and they told me I should have been dead for the amount of cocaine that was in my system. Wow, that's a lot of drugs. Right, and they couldn't lay me down to x-ray me because my ribs were broke. They stood me up, but they were manhandling me around and roughhousing me that I ended up passing out from the pain. My ribs, you know, all broke. So I passed out, and I remember waking up, and they were picking me up off the floor even more mad. And then they set me out in the uh, waiting room at the end when they were done and said, you can't stay here. And what's amazing about that story is that, uh, you know, I didn't, my family, that don't come over here. You know, don't come try to do your clothes. Don't come get a plate of food or nothing. We don't want to see. And my friends were the same way. Everybody was fed up with me. But I asked them if I could use the phone, and they were, like, willing to do anything to get me out of there. So Your destructive pattern not only led you to addicted to drugs, but you became homeless. And in, as a result, you also were beat up right. by drug dealers because you tried to pull a scam. Right. And then you ended up in the hospital. But, Barry, when we come back, we're going to talk more about what happens in your life and also the transformation through the power of Jesus Christ as he would come to do something powerful in your life. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Impact Stories of Faith with Barry Manda. Thank you for joining today's edition of Impact, where we share your remarkable stories of faith. If you have a faith-based story to tell or you'd like to share your story online, simply email Mike Gonzalez at impactstories.faith at gmail.com. That's impactstories.faith at gmail.com. On this program, we believe that your story of transformation through Jesus Christ can touch many lives. Today's program is sponsored by Sammy's Mexican Restaurant in Lavernia, Texas, where they have delicious breakfast and lunch specials to include my favorite, their great-tasting carne guisada. Come to Sammy's Mexican Restaurant located at 13520 U.S. Highway 87 in Lavernia, Texas, just 30 minutes southeast of San Antonio, and see for yourself why they're the best Mexican restaurant in Lavernia. 
In addition, Impact is also sponsored by Chris Realty Incorporated. Are you looking to buy your dream home or sell your home in the Wilson County area? Then call Chris Realty Incorporated for the friendliest and most professional realty agents in all of Wilson County and surrounding areas. For more information and dedicated assistance, call Chris Realty Incorporated at 830-253-1009 or go to crisprealtyinc.com. That's C-R-I-S-P, realtyinc.com. And we're back to Impact Stories of Faith with Barry Manda, who in the 1980s found himself homeless due to a reckless lifestyle. However, Barry would have a transformation through the power of Jesus Christ. Barry, walk us through that process. Well, yeah, I ended up homeless on drugs and alcohol. I ended up in Sam's ministry in San Antonio. And I, like I said, I grew up in church, and I'd been through other spiritual growth centers trying to get my life together several times, and I always backslid and, and fell off the wagon. And so I cried out to God once more. I constantly cried out, and please help me. And one day, uh, one of my caseworkers introduced me to a place. I, he was in NAAA, and, I, and he thought that's where he was taking me, but it, actually it was a divine appointment on Victory Gospel Chapel Spiritual Growth Center on, on the east side, where they teach you the Word of God. You know, they. they I went there. Uh, finally, one day, I just, you know, I felt God had released me to go get help, and I ran all the way, and I remember even the dope man hollered at me, asked me where I was going, I said, to get help, and, and even the dope man cheered me on. So I got there, and of course, they led me in the sinner's prayer, and fed me, and then gave me a place to sleep, and the next day, they started working on my spiritually side. Now, Barry, very quickly, how did that feel in regards to how your lifestyle was before? And now you have people trying to help you. Oh, man, it was great. I, I knew that's where I was supposed to be. I mean, uh, the anointing was strong, the peace and the joy that I had, and the transformation that was taking place through the Word of God. I, that they kept teaching and I kept hearing and hearing and hearing. It just, it, my faith grew all of a sudden. Now I'm, it's like I know I can, you know, I can make it. And God's just been amazing in my life. You know, he's taken me a long way in a short period of time. It's just amazing. Barry, what's the difference between the high of the drugs in your life versus the spiritual side of life. Well, now I've experienced the high that I get from the Holy Ghost. So, you know, right. if, it, if I can't get that high, I don't want any other high, right. amen? Because now what God has done in my life, I'm just overwhelmed and so grateful. It's, it's amazing, you know, how he's brought me such a long way in a short period of time. I met my wife at the homeless shelter also. I mean, God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, amen? Right. So uh, he's taken me from being homeless to a homeowner, unemployed, to an employer, from a crackhead, to a youth pastor, to an elder, and to a published author, and I always say of a bestseller, because not because I wrote it, but because it points to him. Can I get an amen? Yes, yes, yes. That's <laughs> he's tremendous. the author and the finisher of my story, my faith, and he's the hope of glory. And today what I see is a man who's completely changed, not because of yourself, but through the power of Jesus Christ. Now, very quickly, Barry, tell me just in a few sentences about your homelessness, how deep it was. Well, I can remember, you know, looking in the dumpsters or wondering where I'm going to eat. I can remember where I was going to sleep. I remember I would, if I did have a car or had a job, it was usually like a $100 or $200 car. I'd be sleeping in the park and I'd always get run off by the police would pull up. You can't sleep here. So I was homeless. I was hungry. You know, it was terrible. I, I hated it. it. Was I remember living in a crack house. It was the same way. I became like the dishwasher. I ran errands, you know, just to get a hit. 
shit. It was terrible. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And so on and off for like 20 years, I was really homeless. With that, Barry, what advice do you have for us or for the community who's perhaps going through some situation in their lifetime today of struggles of drug addictions or homelessness or hanging out with the wrong people or perhaps society has just cultivated their lives that they're going on that hamster wheel what advice do you have for them one time i was blindfolded and taken to the top of a hill and they put my hands on a rope and they said you're in a maze find your way out and if if you need help stop and raise your hand and so i was trying to find my way out of the maze i was blindfolded and every now and then i'd hear somebody has found their way out of the maze another person has found their way out of the maze i never found my way out finally they said take your blindfold off and I looked around, and, this, and the rope went into a circle. There was no way out. There was no end. They said the people that found their way out are the ones who raised their hand and asked for help. So that's, I, that's what I can tell you to do. Ask God for help right. and go get help where God sends you. So that's what I went where he sent me, and now that's my prayer. God, here I am. Send me. Now I want to go tell somebody else about Jesus. That's why you're here to talk about how God rescued you. Now, many years later, you're in ministry today. You're an author of a book called Breaking bad. Tell us a little bit about your book. Well, it, it's about the transformation that God took me through uh, in the Spiritual Growth Center. It has some more stories, like one of the ones I just told you, and it's about how God took me from being homeless to a homeowner, unemployed to an employer, from a crackhead to a youth pastor, and to a published author. It's available at uh, Amazon and iTunes and Christian bookstores. But if you're not able to purchase one, I'm giving them away. So all you have to do is contact Mike and he'll make sure you get one. That's right. Now, in your book, you have a phrase and it says, answering the call through hell and high water. Yeah, that's why I named the book Breaking Bad because God had to break the bad off of me. It reminds me of the, the shepherd and the lamb where the shepherd kept running off, running astray, going to, you know, because the grass looked greener on the other side, doing what he wanted to do. So the shepherd takes the lamb and breaks his leg, puts the lamb around his neck, fe- hand feeds him and loves on him until the lamb understands how much the shepherd loves him. And that's what happened to me. God allowed me to go through some beat downs in my life, several of them, matter of fact, and then when he led me to the spiritual growth center, that's where he loved on me and cared for me and showed me how much he loved me. And that's when I started trusting him because you're not going to trust somebody that you know that don't love you, but you'll trust them somebody that you know who loves you. And now you're on a journey to help those who need help. You also have a business where you hire people. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. The spiritual grocer I went through, I actually get to teach now every Friday there. I actually get to bring a word of encouragement to those that are going through the spiritual growth center. And then when we also have a work release accountability. So when they get to that point, I try to hire as many people as I can from there and give them a chance like God gave me a chance. Now tell us a little bit about your family. I know you have your wife, and you mentioned that she was also homeless. Yeah, Yeah. we met at the homeless shelter, and when I went to Victory Gospel Chapel, we have a visitor time on Saturdays. Well, she brought me my stuff from the homeless shelter. We were just friends. So she stayed, and we talked for about an hour. We had a good time, so she started coming on Saturdays. And then eventually we went to the altar together at our church where you have to have a chaperone before you go anywhere. And so we ended up getting married, and uh, the rest is history, man. God has just been—we started the business on food stamps in Section 8. Man, God is amazing. The world says you got to have money to make money. No, it's who you know, and we know God. That's right. That's a powerful (laughs) statement. And I can't believe that you're out here just trying to help anyone who needs help. Now, if you'd like to know more about Barry Manda, you can go to his website— 
at barrymonda.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-M-O-N-D-A.com, where he also shares his amazing book titled Breaking Bad. I believe you have a powerful testimony. The church that you belong to, where's that church? 1603 Montana, In Victory the Gospel Chapel. Victory mm-hmm. Gospel Chapel. To our listeners who would like to be a part of Barry Monda, visit his website or visit his church. Barry, thank you for being on Impact to share your powerful story. And if your listeners would like to have a transformation like Barry in your life through Jesus Christ, then simply say this prayer with me with all of your heart. God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, as the Savior of the world. And I confess that I am a sinner and I ask that you forgive me and come into my life and make me new. If you said this prayer and have an amazing story to share or a comment, then visit us at impactministrysa.org. That's impactministrysa.org. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Mike Gonzalez. We hope you'll join us next time for another amazing story you won't want to miss. God bless you. Thank you for joining our program, Impact where your testimonies are heard around the world. Please join us next week for another wonderful edition of Storytelling. Until then, God bless you. And remember, share your stories to impact those around you. And let us all go out as Jesus did and change our world.